What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jasmine Ellis. And today, who am I joined by today? My name's Chris Denman. Nice to nice to see you, Jasmine. And great intro. Okay, thanks. Okay, the light that left his eyes when I said, who am I joined here? Like, I, you were like, oh, I have to say my own name. Ugh. You won't introduce me. Fuck you. Like, it, <laughs> you ever do that? I you ever enjoyed- host a show? I am joined by the super talented, very hilarious Chris Denman. He is a fixture uh-huh. in the world, uh-huh. just doing so many great things, in the, in killing the, it, yes. yeah. mm-hmm. wearing shirts with patterns on them. This guy is so important to both patterns, side parts, and podcasting. Wow. I want you guys to give a uproarious, uproarious round of applause for Chris Denman. <laughs> you know what I love about Jasmine? Better? Her enthusiasm for white um, people in general. That's that's how I like to tap into my conversation. Have you ever forgotten? Any, okay, so you've hosted a million comedy shows, right? You ever forget someone's name when you're bringing them up? Because I host a lot of stuff. Like We'll put stuff on and in the moment. I know the person. I'm looking at them. I know them. In the moment, I've had to do the... God, you're gonna love this guy. Get up here. <laughs> I forgot. The worst part is, in, in when you're trying to stall to get your brain to remember the name, mm-hmm. you start like over familiarizing, and yep. then you're just like, you know, this guy is just so important to me. You know, he's one of the first people who was nice to me in comedy, and you know, gave me a ride that time. And uh, <laughs> you know, you know him. He he performs all over the clubs, and the he does shows. All right, here you go, guys. You're going to love him. That It's felt about that bad. One thing I love, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, this is why comedians are fucking sociopaths. Because every like we get on these flyers with each other that has shit like, and pals, and friends, and buddies. And it's like, no, none of these people like each other. They've never spent a minute together after the show. <laughs> like, I've been and friends with all of these comics that like literally... I don't know. Uh, LA is breaking my brain is all I can say. People are so not nice. Ugh. Anyways, what's, what's it like in your neck of woods? How are things going? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. We're, uh, we're doing all right. So I don't really get out. I feel like in Los Angeles, if you saw like, oh, Missouri, like you're going to read stuff about like people chugging Mountain Dew on jet skis in Lake of the Ozarks and like just COVID deniers and stuff like that. Honestly, it's just as confusing as probably anywhere else. And at least the people I surround myself with, uh, you know, trying to figure it out. We get, you do a lot of live events. You do a lot of entertainment stuff. It's been a confusing couple of years. Yeah. God, it really, I jokingly tweeted this. I was like, can y'all believe COVID is a junior this year? And like, it's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Like she pledged, like sis is doing it. Oh my gosh. She went Delta, like like she's busy. She's so busy. And I just, oh, we thought it was going to, I'm, I'm like really, really just in a crazy place. Someone really close to me got, was diagnosed positive, their teacher and um, a parent sent a student to school knowing they were positive. 
Um, and that it's, it's easy to think that it's like part of this like Trumper-esque narrative, but I think mm. this is just a working parent who had no childcare. Yeah. Like that's what, that's what, um, you know, I live in, I live in LA, but I'm, I've only been here a year and my heart is in Texas and, oh Lord, the governor is just actively trying to kill everyone I love. Um, so it's it just... seems so strange too. Like, I, I don't think it should be like, uh, well, Biden said this and Trump said that I don't think it should be that at all. It should just be like. Hey, can we get past this so we can all go see a fucking concert? Like, what's oh, yes. what? Like, Jasmine would have like to, have, to a... earn a living. <laughs> I would. I really, really would uh, because I love talking at y'all, but I would love to talk to y'all. Like, you guys should come see a live show. It's a freaking experience. I promise, mm-hmm. I'm hilarious. I believe in myself. Um, <laughs> so, have you been to a live show recently? Is it weird? Are people mass separated? What's going on musically? Like, when you go see a live show. So here you could probably go to many different types of shows. Like, so I'm part of, uh, there's a music festival here that's, uh, you know, it's a bunch of different venues. It's in like the arts district here. It's, it's in our neighborhood where we're at the studio. Um, Layla Hathaway is headlining it. And so there's like, yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. So music at the intersections happening, but then like there's good, smart regulation, but they're not being like, they're not trying to like, overdo it so i'm interested to see how that works because it's indoors right so they're keeping mm-hmm. people separated and they've put caps on how many people they, they there's a five thousand person theater they're not gonna have that many people in there so that'll be interesting so my experience to live stuff so i went from so i always interview comics and and we produce our own shows and stuff like that i was at a comedy show that i would produce once a week pre-pandemic and then i would usually go hang out and watch someone at Helium or go to Funny Bone here in St. Louis. And I went from that to I we produced a show at the Fox Theater here. And there were 500 people. It was a sellout um, because that was the max that we could have in the 5,000-person theater. Two. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. So I've been to that. I went and I think I, ju- I did a judging thing at Helium for the St. Louis Funniest. And then I went to an outdoor concert. Uh, the outdoor concert felt great. It was nice. You were separated, but it felt good to be around that many people. There were a couple thousand people there. But it was still like spaced out, and there was no weirdness to it. Like in the beginning of stuff, it felt kind of weird getting back out. Like, And I haven't really gone out much at all. But it's nice, but at the same time, it's still like, eh, it's still weird. Still a little strange. Everything... Everything makes you feel like you're risking your life, which is just like, I know we are every day. You know, you like you get in a car, you drive somewhere, technically car accidents, blah, blah, blah. But just like being so hyper aware of everything that used to be so fun sucks, uh, which is why we're going to change topic. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I just felt myself going down a rabbit hole yeah, of sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the last relative you lost? And, uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh man, yeah. So change that. I was going to ask you this too. I almost forgot about it. Like the pandemic has been going on so long. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't get friend requests from crypto traders. That's that's a new trend. Have you noticed it? I'm not getting that. It's kind of funny because the friend requests that I'm getting, like my spam has changed. Beginning of the pandemic, my spam, my scam and spams is like a whole bunch of like, did you lose your job because of COVID-19? Sign up for this thing where you give us your social security four times mm, and we'll yeah. give you $20 million. Nice. And then there was like scams that weren't actually scams, but people turned into scams like PPP loans. Like everyone I know who 
who has ne- like they're like has never had a business in their entire life was like you should get a ppp loan and i'm like i don't have employees and they're like but aren't you a business and i'm like would you like to buy a shirt and like no i'd like to encourage you to commit fraud so <laughs> like, but this is let me ask does this happen to straight men has anyone ever like messaged you and asking if you'd like to be their sugar baby happens to me once a week on a very popular podcast and no it's, it's never it's never <laughs> are you talking about the mamas <laughs> two funny mamas shout out to kim whitley and sherry shepherd uh kim makes it known weekly that there's an arrangement in place or there will be so check that out every thursday uh no i don't get stuff like that i occasionally people because i do work with some people that have large fan base and i feel like just as you fan like fan out like not like a fan as you get bigger like the more amount of people there's just going to be a a random amount of weird or strange people that don't really know how to communicate i the closest i've gotten to sugar babies like people just kind of talking a little too much or getting a little weird too quick but no nothing like what i'm sure you're getting on a daily basis like once a week, it's just like, I'm willing to be your sugar baby, 40K a week, uh, sign up here. And it's just <laughs> your sugar daddy, sign up here. And it's like, or like, or they'll say, I'm looking for 10 women to be my sugar babies. And it's like, I want to feel special. Like, this is some bullshit. Did she get the same color That's what bag? makes me mad about it, is they always want more than one, yeah. or it's a sign up. It's like, even if I was looking for a financial, like, you know what I mean? I want to be special. <laughs> Scammers can't I'm, I'm even, a, they can't even cheat right, right? They can't. They really mm. can't. So they just keep coming on to you. It's craziness. Yeah. So you do a really cool show where you talk to musicians. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I do a show. Yeah, drinks with the band. And um, I got to perform with a music, uh, with a band last week. I was at this college and I was opening for, uh, for a band. And it was so funny because I never, like, I feel like every musician, okay, every comedian wants to be a musician. Would you agree? Like, if we could, we'd switch skill sets in a minute. It's the strangest, yes, absolutely. Right? Well, I've noticed that, like, thanks to TikTok and stuff, so many people who do music are also trying to make funny content. And it was just so... Have you noticed that? They need to be careful. Musicians have been... They've been getting by a long time with bullshit material that gets a lot of laughs in between songs on stage. Literally, go to a concert. (laughs) Go to a concert and watch someone be like, <laughs> Steve was a little, he might be drinking over there. Watch that. All right, this next one. And people start dying laughing. And you're like, what the fuck was that? That wasn't funny. <laughs> that happens. So musicians need to be careful because, listen, they've had it good. They don't even have to be good storytellers. They just have to go up there, point at something, call out what it is, and their fans will die laughing in between songs. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of it's this fascination moment of this fascinating motion moment of like when someone it, it's a dog. I call it the dog walking on its hind legs moment, where as long as you're not expecting something to happen, like walking is not miraculous. Mm. However, dogs aren't supposed to do it. So when a musician <laughs> tells a joke, you go, oh, my God, yeah. Justin Bieber is hilarious. <laughs> Meanwhile, like. When a comedian tells a joke, you're like, that's what I expected from you. Like, people have this scale of, like, this was expected level funny, so I'm going to hold in my laugh. (laughs) Like, and you can, I hate, God, I hate men do this the most, where they physically are like, 
make me laugh. Like they want, they go to a show to have a bad time. It is, it is such a. Do you see? It that? is such an amazing. Like they're adversarial. Oh yes, but towards oh. women, towards women for sure. Uh, I think they think they're just like a lot of them, and then they're the they're the first ones who come up to you afterwards. Like, they might have not even moved their face at all, and they're like, "I thought you were pretty funny." I just, you know, I usually don't like female comics. It's like that's thanks. Uh, that's a fun <laughs> thought, but. I did have a moment where I crossed over like last week, Chris. Mm. <laughs> so I have this joke about my neighbors being really loud and how I got super invested in their lives. Mm. And I'm telling the story of like the the teenage girl who lives up there and how though like there was this week where she kept playing all these Olivia Rodriguez Rodrigo shows songs. And then I like I started playing Alanis Morissette and I was like, let's expand. We're going, let's go through this together. You know, <laughs> like I know Alanis I can walked hear you so saying, Olivia could run, right? Like yes. that's what trying to show her. And I start singing one of the songs and I'm not a good singer. And people were like, whoa. And I was like, <laughs> I realized I I evoked a dog walking in hind legs. Lower people were like, oh my God, she's such a good singer for a comedian. <laughs> can I can I give you my, I have a, I don't know. Sorry. I feel like I'm talking a lot. And it's your podcast. You're, this is. This is literally what you're supposed to do. I have. Okay. Thank you. I have a part, my biggest dog walking moment for this topic ever. All Things Comedy Festival, 2018 in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, went down. Um, I did a podcast at the time on all things comedy with a guy named Ian Bag, and mm-hmm. we Ian was going to do stand up, and then we were going to do a live show down there, and we did. It was super fun. But what I think about when I think about like being down there, like yes, it was fun, and like getting to chat with all these people, I think are just amazing, right? Um, and and doing the live podcast is fun. But the first thing I think of every time is Josh Adam Myers doing the uh, goddamn comedy jam and it's yes. it's and it's very it's fun because that's good banter in between songs but for the most part it's comics haphazardly singing along to songs and you're just like look at them that's the Sklar brothers and they're singing ACDC <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited and I have to be honest about it that I'm like I'm very excited to see Bill Burr play drums for 30 seconds um whenever you know I'm sure Bill would probably rank himself like I don't think Bill could drum in a band maybe he could I don't know he's probably not a great technically a great drummer but when I saw him drumming I freaked the fuck out <laughs> so but you know, I was like ah this is so great but that's my moment another thing musicians musicians get to have so many of those kind of moments though because i have seen like okay beyonce can play hot cross buns and i go look at that never never the same undeniable (laughs) never been done before she is the moment and like like, i love beyonce Uh she's my favorite singer songwriter dancer in the world but like her piano playing you know what i mean she (laughs) She presses the buttons that are close together. I'm not like, I'm not, (laughs) you know what I mean? I wouldn't compare her as a pianist to like an Alicia Keys or like anyone who's classically, I mean, she's learning piano and it's good, but you get what I'm saying? It's like when, when you expect a musician to do one thing and then they do something different, you go, wow, they did something. Anyways, I'm a hater. I'm, I'm both obsessed with and, (laughs) and want to be a musician so bad. So that's like 90% of what this podcast is about is just admiration mixed with hate because that's how middle children function um so it's just what i do but i was gonna tell you about the band i opened for in san antonio yeah, it was let's, really I funny hear about this. 
they were telling like little jokes in between. It was for a college show and they're like telling like little stories in between. And like no one was really laughing or responding to that part. And then I didn't really care, but I, I noticed they kept looking back at me. And then one of them was like, <laughs> one of them was like, we're a lot funnier on TikTok. Make sure you follow us on TikTok. We're hilarious on TikTok. And I was like, no, I'm the funny. <laughs> you do the music. No, 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 no. Yeah. And they were you, great. They were yeah. great. Do you remember the band's name? Uh, yeah, so I can so I can uh, get in trouble for talking shit. They're called Running Lights, and they're actually really sweet guys, really mm. sweet guys. I like them a lot. But that was just so funny. They're like, "We're really funny." On a, you got you got to go watch us be fun. I was like, "No, don't be funny. Be music. It's your job." <laughs> right. And you come up, you do five minutes, and then you go. You know what? I do a great cover. Uh, just go to TikTok. Right. I do great cover music on TikTok to get them back. <laughs> I actually had to do an hour, which I was like, an hour before a band outdoors. This is going to be a lot. But how did it works. You like, it, how did you like the outdoors? With a crowd, too. Outdoor right? comedy is weird, especially when you're in a space that is built for music. Because like comedy is all about intimacy. That's why I've done so many outdoor shows at this point. I've gotten used to it. But man, like the few times when it felt a little bit safer in July and stuff, when I was out, like when I was in Tennessee and I did... um the what's the big one in zanies and i did zanies in nashville you know it's got those low ceilings and i mean i i realized that like like getting more tepid responses because you can barely hear people laugh through a mask outside has like conditioned me to like run through my material faster and like Mm. i kind of like got i was like oh man five minutes is like two jokes <laughs> like when you're killing you know when like you you've got to let the laughs breathe and people are like i've had some really good outdoor sets though i've yeah, had some that yeah. like went awesome but um i will say that like i forgot how good an indoor comedy show can feel i want to know like and i'm sure they've talked about it there's like i think nate bargetsy did it with me like they he filmed a special during the pandemic but they had to do masks and mm-hmm. I watched it, and specials are so hard, right, for it to translate. And I watched it, and I was like, man, that would suck to be him. Like, if he got paid the same and it, people think of him the same, whatever. He took a chance. That's cool. But it's almost like, ah, I don't know. It's the masks on indoors or even outdoors. Like, the muffled laughter it has to be – that has to be strange. Yeah, I was watching London Hughes' special, and I – like – it was it's outdoors and masked and it's spaced and like when you see the crowd you can tell it's like far away but then when you hear the laughter when she's performing it sounds like they kind of piped it it's Mm. it's weird it is really weird i have had a couple of outdoor ones that have been like i mean just so fun like you don't even you completely forget but you have to like you have to like really give a lot more into the performance and like get more physically close to people which again then i'm like oh no covid uh because i'm all in your face right now (laughs) so like right, it's, right. oh man, we're so we're talking shop about about music and all that good stuff, and I'm having so much fun. Now let me tell you about how we do the format of the show, Chris. I'm not sure if you're aware. We start to start each episode with a section I call "Off the Record." This is a history segment, and if you've been keeping up, our last six episodes have been focused on what 
murder because that's all you weird people like so i <laughs> found a way to get missed, murder missed in the, the musical show. sense okay all <laughs> it's, right, it's called behind the murders mm. I, uh, you know shout out to vh1 behind the music mm. and this week i have been doing mostly contemporary like 19th century we did uh we did biggie smalls with chris cubis we did selena with vanessa gonzalez and now i'm gonna take it all the way back are you someone who likes oldies? Uh, I think one of the songs I picked would be considered like an oldie. It's like music from the 50s, and right? Is that what you're talking about? No. I'm talking the 16th century today for the oh, first time. Damn it, Jasmine. Turn I am going to cover the brutal murder of a... Comp- <laughs> you were waiting. You, Oh, you're so... You're just... You all can't see this. The look of satisfaction that ran across her face. She's like, I get to do my joke. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's talk about the 1600s because this story is wild. Like with a lot of the murder stories that I have for most what of is this? <laughs> most of the musicians, they've been century. this. I I finally think I found something that most people don't know about. So I'm very proud of this. Okay, uh, this is found up. on ItalyOnThisDay.com, oh, and it is the story of Alessandro Stradella, the violinist and composer. Love that guy. Talented musician lived on romance and adventure. Baroque composer Alessandro Stadella, who led a colorful life courting danger while producing more than 300 highly regarded musical works, was born on this day in 1639. That day, of course, is April 3rd. I've had this ready for months. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was ready. It just didn't work out. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, schedules are great. So let me... Let me tell you the story of what happens to this guy. Uh, let me see if I've got this like brief and ready to go. Good. Okay. It's not as long as I, as I originally thought it was. Okay. After an affair with the mistress of Venetian noblemen, he was attacked in the streets and left for dead by two hired assassins. But he lived on for another few years to compose more music. Five years later, he was stabbed to death in Genova, but the identity of his killers was never confirmed. Stradella was born in an aristocratic family and by the age of 20 was making a name for himself as a composer. He moved to Rome when he composed sacred music for Queen Christian of Sweden, who had abdicted her throne to go and live there. It is believed he tried to embezzle money from the Roman Catholic Church, and his numerous reckless affairs with women also made him enemies among powerful people in the city. So this guy was just going out, stealing money, fucking people's wives. (laughs) He said he played violin? Yes. Get money, fuck bitches, long Mm. before long before biggie or Pac, like mm. uh i just think this story is wild Can in 1637 ineffective those first assassins were fuck them they didn't do their job two of what? them bad at their job all right they attacked him and left him in the street bleeding and he still lived so i think that story is crazy in 1637 he moved to venice where he was hired by nobleman alvis contrary as a music tutor to his mistress whoa that was a bad Hello. idea all right <laughs> Strandella began an affair with her and they attempted to elope together in, to Turin in 1677. They were followed by Conteri, who insisted they either marry or his mistress had to take the veil. What? Okay, maybe I don't understand what these words mean. They insisted to take the veil. What does take the veil? She took the veil, but Stradella later married her. Shortly afterwards, he was attacked and left dead in the street. He fled to Genova, where he composed music for the local, local nobility and theater, but he was stabbed to death in a square in Genova. In 1682, at age just 42, he was buried in the Catholic Church of Santa Maria del Vigena in Genova. Stradella was an influential composer whose works were adapted by other composers, including Handel. Later, he originated the Concerto Grosso, a form of Ardenello Cornello, 
I, I, these are a lot of Italian words. Um, (laughs) 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 And he wrote six Baroque operas. So yeah, you don't know about opera. That was... (laughs) I thought there would be like a lot more details to this one. I've been saving it for like, I don't know why I was saving it for today. But I was like, this is the one. We have one here. What'd you say? Do you need a translator? I think we have one here. (laughs) I just want to make sure I'm not pronouncing these words like miserably, like Arcangelo Corelli. Um, So uh... this is what I'm talking about. Our engineer is very Sicilian family. And he's shaking his head at every word. Is everything I'm saying wrong? <laughs> Alessandro Sardella? A, a hard yes. <laughs> okay, do you know do you know about this guy? Are oh. you familiar with this guy? No, he's not. He's okay then don't shake your head. How do you how do you say Alessandro? I don't know. I'm not the one judging your Italian. You're you're doing great <laughs> by me. So This, this guy is wild, my most though. Exactly. I thought this was one of the most uh, most public and hilarious stories just because of the two attempts on his life. Yep. And then the fact that he kept going. So like after being stabbed in public by two different people and left for dead, he just heals, gets hired to be a tutor and then steals someone's mistress again. Mm. I got to find out what it means to take the veil, though. I don't understand what that means. I mean, it's... No Have you ever heard this expression before? No, I haven't. Take the veil. He insisted they either marry or his mist or his mistress had to take the veil. She took the veil, which means she didn't want to oh, marry him in the first nun. place. Interesting. Oh. Hmm. You think you should? But then nun. he later married her. So. Oh boy. <laughs> he embezzled both money and women from the Catholic Church. So when you become a nun, for those of you who are not familiar with Catholicism, you make a vow of celibacy and like claim you will never get married. And so like a year later, he like rescued her from God. Basically, <laughs> this is a really bad guy. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like he'd just, fit in in today's world, though, too. Right. Right. Just with all the stereotypes we have about musicians, just just being uh, good old <laughs> pee hounds, if you will. Um, <laughs> Really? I've never used the expression pee hound out loud. You know what? I'm glad I, I feel like I, I motivated you to uh, to use that term. <laughs> you think that I look like a guy who says pee hound around his friend. That's why you felt okay saying it. So thank you. A little bit. Sure. Like over game of poker. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> Steve's a pee hound. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. So that is going to wrap up our behind the murder segment. Um, Congratulations, you learned something. Because I guarantee you there was no one listening to this who already knew this story. And if you did, feel free to message me and make fun of me for thinking that this is obscure Italian history. But I thought it was very not a normal thing to know about. Um, And please, if you know about any other nuns and uh, people who ran away from the Catholic Church to get married to uh, music tutors, let me know. Okay, so that is going to wrap up that segment. Now we're getting into my favorite segment. This is the podcast of your life. This is where our guest, Chris, is going to give us the five songs that tell his life story. So in any particular order, do you want to start like in order of importance? You want to go like, this is the fifth best, the first one. How do you want to do it, Chris? Wow. It's so much more intimidating uh, once you get down to it. It's very vulnerable. 
Oh. Let's go. Uh, go chronologically, right? Okay. Like in my life, I would think. Yeah, let's do that. So uh, I'm 37. So mm-hmm. this would have been like 1987 when I was like three. My mom would always say her mom sang the song Downtown by Petula Clark to her. You know that song? When you get lonely, na na yep. na 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 na, you That's can it. always go. So picture downtown. All uh, <laughs> three-year-old with like a southern accent, probably at the time, living in the boot heel of Missouri, just <laughs> really getting down onto Petula Clark. Yeah, it. I think it's more associated with just, uh, you know, good times, memories. I'm really close with my parents and. That's uh, that's like a fun memory. So yeah, and Petula Clark. It's kind of hard to forget that name. Hmm, Petula. I've actually never known that person's name. Right. I think everyone I as- knows the song. I associate it with shopping at Macy's for some reason. Like I don't. I associate it with big department stores and like the feeling when you walk in and you just see aisles of stuff you can't afford. Is that? That's I perfect. Know. I feel like now that you kind of get like you know once you kind of find out like how influential certain songwriting teams are or like management or something like, would you be that surprised if like Sears and Roebuck like slip some money to uh, a record producer and is like, Hey, have a woman from England sing the song, put some bells in it. We need a theme. Absolutely. <laughs> I think you're probably not the only one that thinks like that. Cause yeah, you may immediately think of that. Like uh, what are the, what are the long coats that women would wear in the fifties? The peat coat? Trench coats or like Trench pea coat? coats. Yeah, pea coat. That's right. That's what I think of when I think of that song. Oh my gosh, you're so right. It is, oh man. And now that I know that too, it's just like everything's a little bit corrupt. Because you love to think of this idea of this songwriter just in their kitchen, you know, holding a cup of coffee with both hands because that's where the magic is. You got to hold it with both hands, mm-hmm. with your long sleeves. Yep. And then they just sigh and all this magic comes out. But then when you think about <laughs> Sears being like, all right, we need women to feel excited when they shop and there's no cocaine in the Coca-Cola anymore. Right. What can get them that feeling? <laughs> we need a hit tune uh, and we like, need it now. Yeah. And then it also makes you, I think it's a part of that like romanticization. I guess like you, you know, being a kid growing up in Missouri and like small places, like did you ever have this like romantic idea of big cities? Because that's what it feels like. It's definitely like a weird thing. Yeah. Your first time where you like go to a big city, even to like go to the zoo as a young kid in St. Louis, like, you know, an hour. I think at the time I lived in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Um, or Sykeston, Missouri, which is like, I don't know, a couple hours from St. Louis, but you know, you don't know anything. And if you're not around that stuff, it's, it looks fake almost. So yeah, that definitely probably added to it. And like, what the heck's downtown mean? Like, oh, wow. Like the stuff you see at the beginning of uh, sitcoms, <laughs> the buildings and stuff that you see. Okay, that's a downtown. Got it. <laughs> okay, I, I think I'm starting to understand a little bit more of like, red state america just now because the way First he said it's fake <laughs> if it's never been in my face it's fake Show new me. york city is fake that's right california is fake black people are fake thank were- <laughs> you thank you if they don't look if i can't touch it with my hands it's fake except for jesus that's right now that's yeah thank you Oh, the fake. zoo is fake. Oh my gosh. Michael Jordan, fake. 
moon landing fake <laughs> mm-hmm. that's right covid fake couldn't touch it yet you heard it here first chris stidman chris stidman covid denier oh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen <laughs> also according to you black people denier as a child <laughs> I just, I just, I just, I think that you just really opened my eyes. But yeah, that is such a magical, fun little song, and it's one of those ones that just kind of it earworms in there. It, it, mm-hmm. it gives me the feeling a Christmas song gives me, but it's For not sure. a Christmas song. But true. I think it's, but uh, if you if you played it at Christmas, as you're like, and you could associate that with walking into you know like a department store, downtown Christmas shopping, absolutely perfect soundtrack for that. Just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Like, I love that idea, too, is like if you're from somewhere that doesn't have traffic, it is a little magical at first. You're like, wow, there's just so many people here. And then after like two days, you're like, wow, there's too many people here. This is a terrible place. <laughs> or the, the opposite can happen, too. Like even just I've been in St. Louis for, I don't know, 10 years or something. And it's a city, right? Not huge, but it's a city. It's and a city if, for sure. If, if I go to L.A. or something like that and I'm there for more than like a couple of days, I'll come back and I'll be like, where are all the lights? Like, like St. Louis, you're like, huh, our infrastructure is a little lacking. Like there's just not, there's just not anywhere near the amount of like street lights, car lights, random light. Did you notice that? Like just oh, a big difference in the lights. Yeah. When I moved to Wichita Falls for college, I realized that like <laughs> small town logic is the idea that everyone should be on kind of a, everyone should, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. Um, it, it's this idea that everyone should have a bedtime. Like, when the streetlights <laughs> just stop working at 11 o'clock. Like, what do you, what do you have to do at 11 o'clock yeah, that you, you can't do at 9? Right. <laughs> Where is which, what, just, what school is in Wichita Falls? I can't remember. Midwestern State University. It is a, a college. It is a full-on college. Um, <laughs> fun fact about Midwestern State <laughs> Look, my cousin went there and it was two hours away. So Mm -hmm. it was just far enough that my parents would have to like call before they could check on me. But it wouldn't be the end of the world to get home and I could get in. So I went uh, and I had a great experience there. It was a good good place for me to go to school, especially as a kid with like undiagnosed ADD who didn't think they could succeed in a university environment. But then I realized like, oh, I'm not stupid. My brain just works different. So I... uh, I did. I did go to a small college. Sometimes I get teased about that. Like, oh, I'm like, I don't. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. We have the same dumb piece of paper. Like, it's, this, it's the same, you know, Houdini act, or I don't even know how you would put. It. It's the same grift to every. It just depends on where you go. Like, none of you are going to mean anything for ten years <laughs> after you finish in whatever profession you go into, right? Like, it's yeah. And I'm uh, I'm in a lot less debt than a lot of my peers too. Yeah. So I'm I don't. I don't really, it was voted one of the, it was voted one of, Time Magazine called it one of America's most affordable universities. Really? And, yeah, and a kind of cool thing about it is they had a really big Caribbean population. So I went to school with a lot of people from the Caribbean islands and there was even a thing we called Carib Fest that was like a festival that would happen on campus with like students in like the carnival outfits, like just... That's I mean, awesome. it was it was kind of a weird dynamic because like there'd just be like these kids mm. from Wichita Falls who would like just gawking at exposed butt cheeks on campus because <laughs> <laughs> they were from like some super Christian town like Albany and they just never seen some brown thighs up close like that. So it was like a lot of <laughs> that. That's the moment they found out those were real. 
That's, <laughs> I cannot imagine. Like you just think about some wild person from like I, I don't know, like any any fun loving person from any Caribbean island meeting a small town <laughs> super. Like that's that. You know, they make buddy movies out of stuff like that. That's incredible. That's what dorm life was like at the school. Every yeah. <laughs> And you're all idiots. Was... Like, you're all children. Like, you're all not yourself yet. So, like, I don't know. I hope. Hopefully that's a good thing for a lot of those people, right? I think so. I had a roommate who... Um... Actually, I had this rotating door in my first three years of just, like, roommates who moved from some small town, panicked couldn't take like they would just like go to class and come straight home to the dorm stay there the entire time and then they dropped out like i just (laughs) i was starting to think that i was making their college experience worse like they were just like terrified of me and i'm i (laughs) they just they couldn't take it they said they didn't like being away from home and they would live somewhere like 20 minutes away from the campus but their parents like wanted them to have the college experience and stay on campus and Mm. like yeah, interesting. So I'm talking so much about me. Petula Petula Clark, downtown. downtown. It's a song your grandmother would sing to your mother. And then my mom and would it sing was it to special. me. Yeah. Oh, that's special. That's really nice. Do you think mm-hmm. if you'll have kids, you'll sing it to them? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, having the uh, the dude sing it is probably a thing. No, I, I that, that requires a, a good voice, and I don't have one. Maybe I'll just I'll hit play on the phone. I'll do that. <laughs> that good i think that's that's pretty great and special you one thing i hate though is i feel like there's always so much innuendo like i feel like you could not make a song with the title downtown now and (laughs) people wouldn't just automatically decide it's about sex without listening to it imagine if cardi b put out downtown tomorrow i mean it's a hot song (laughs) what if it was just about going to the store just just about being in manhattan People would be like, I know what she really means. And she'd probably sell a million re- million records or whatever the standard is. Yeah. So, I, I love the idea of someone who made a song called Wet Ass Pussy suddenly needing a lot of innuendo. <laughs> 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 oh, no, no, no. This is demure. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. We're going to dial it back for this one. Her producer's looking at her like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Decided um, to... My favorite thing is when rappers... Um, kill the punchline with ad libs. You know what I mean? I can't think. I can't think of a specific example right now, but it's on the tip of my tongue. Where like a song will like in, allude to something, and then the ad like you know she's like we going downtown, and then the the ad libs like on a dick. I was like, gonna you know say I mean? on my dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's very descriptive. Thanks. Oh man, ad, ad, I don't know. Hype men can kind of be like the hecklers of music a little mm. bit. Hmm. So give me your number four song. <laughs> you want to go to the next one? All right. Let's keep Are you this ready? Uh, chronological. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure I get it right on the uh, on the times. Um, let's see. All right. So I thought of this and I was like, you know what? If I don't actually think about this, you're going to get like five pop punk songs from when I was like 12 to 14. So I've actually thought about this and I remembered this. So... I got hooked up at Christmas, my like second grade year, with a Walkman, right? It was neon Ooh. orange, got the vanilla ice tape with it, Ninja Turtles soundtrack tape with it, 
Um, but like, not go ninja, so go ninja, go. That's exactly what happened. Um, so there was all kinds of fun stuff that came with that, but I don't know. My parents had me young, so they always had, like, I always got to look, like, I remember other kids' parents, like, did not listen to fun music or whatever, but my parents were 21 when they had me, so, you know, I'm four or five, and I, I know a lot about current music, which was, I think is great. Um, but I do remember this big time. Uh, <laughs> I thought you'd think this is funny. Whitney Houston, but it's not... I think it's because when she sang at the Super Bowl, so I was like, for some reason, really into sports. My parents didn't even care about sports, but I was super into sports from the time I can ever remember. So she sang at the Super Bowl in like 91. So I would have been like five or six. I would have been like six, I guess, seven, something like that. And uh, so I, she was on my radar. So like I was aware of it, and I probably saw her on MTV when I was younger too or something, but definitely... I Will Always Love You comes out, and it's the Bodyguard soundtrack. <laughs> and I knew the Dolly Parton version already, obviously. Oh, you did know the Dolly Parton version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, my mom would listen to some Dolly Parton sometimes. So it was like, the when the Whitney Houston song came, that was, I'm serious, like mesmerizing. And you're going to laugh at this, because I remember I'd walk around with a Walkman, and this is probably by the time I got a, like a, I don't know, I'm trying to think if I had a mobile CD player by then or what. But we would go, we had horses, and we would go, and I would go with my dad if I didn't have, like, basketball practice or something. And we would go feed the horses and mess around with the dogs and all that stuff at our barn. And I remember walking around our, like, barnyard <laughs> with Whitney Houston blaring in my <laughs> in my headphones <laughs> as I'm, like, literally kicking shit. Like, <laughs> like literally, like, cleaning up <laughs> horse shit. <laughs> or, like, m- we had Rottweilers, like, messing around with my dogs or something. And, uh, yeah, so I thought, I was like, yeah, that's interesting. And my dad, for sure, had her, I think, had her CD. This is, wouldn't Bodyguard come out, like, 93, something like that? I think so. Something. I can look so it he would have had CDs right. and stuff like that. So he thought she was impressive. So, of course, like, that's the green light for me to think it's cool, too. So I just thought, I think that's such a funny thing, walking around in cowboy boots and, like, listening to Whitney Houston, like, just whatever song she would hit the high notes on i'm like this rules thought she was really good so there you go i love that you had just like a, a pure appreciation for music because i think around like I'm, I'm assuming you're like eight or nine around this age that's around the age Something that people like start that. to like start to push toxic ideas of masculinity onto boys and so it's like you just you can't like anything that centers girls oh I'm which sure. is so weird because you're you're simultaneously supposed to be attracted to girls and also hate them and think they're dumb. Very strange. <laughs> well, I mean, we didn't get into that yet, but uh, no, you, no, I was like, that is a good point because one thousand million percent that that night I probably went and like hit our heavy bag while I was listening to ACDC. Like that is one thousand percent a thing that would have happened, and and that was fine because those were just things you did. But that is a good point. Like that would be like someone at that time would have called me like a pussy right <laughs> for appreciating Probably. just great music like it's like that's one thing about whitney is she was so undeniably good oh, like if anything yeah. negative someone could say it was never that she couldn't sing that was never the the criticism that could be it uh so the song you'd add to your playlist would be i will always love you so we're getting really you know a sentimental i did write down go ninja go um but then i realized that was not the direction we were going <laughs> no 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 that was that's a b-side on the podcast yeah. but 
the orange Walkman is a beautiful. Uh... Oh man, right? <laughs> man, orange was the cut. Co- if I could like paint the, the 90s a color it would be well I, I can't decide if it's seinfeld's couch brown or nickelodeon <laughs> orange and i <laughs> did you watch seinfeld growing up no and it would come on like like i was like a little young for it but it would come yeah, on syndicate like i had i didn't have cable but like it would be on syndication and that's how i knew it was time to go to bed so to this mm. day i can't watch an episode of seinfeld and stay awake oh, because like this, the 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 theme song that like the like the little bangy sounds that it makes, it just it puts me right the fuck out. I have never That's made wild. it past. I can't tell you what happens in any episode of Seinfeld. It's just so brown and dull to me. I <laughs> see. I thought I'd stumbled onto something interesting because I was like, because there's the uh, <laughs> I always like this. Uh, I was like. Seinfeld's the greatest, uh, you know, sitcom ever. And then somebody's like, <clears throat> Martin, you know, they do that. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute, is Jasmine team Seinfeld over here? Like, what's going on? Uh, okay, but I so I didn't find anything there. As a as a raging feminist, I don't really like either show, and I'll tell you why. Oh, okay, <laughs> um, I just mm-hmm. from I mean, More of a I don't have fire enough. Gal? I didn't like, wait, didn't that lady like molest the kid on that set? I just saw some TikTok oh, about that. I don't, she was, Grace, uh, she was a comic. She was a stand-up. Yeah, and I heard her she name, like came to work super wasted and like oh, flashed really? her vagina at the kid on the show. Oh, I didn't know that. She worked on, she had a spot on The Walking Dead uh, not that long ago, so she's not like, wasn't like, I don't know. This is an interesting topic. Please continue. Sorry. Ooh, 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 ooh. Let me see. <laughs> okay, this is a whole other topic. Oh, uh, you were about to tell me topic. why you're a raging feminist, and then we get to she's molesting people on the set of Grace Under. <laughs> oh God, I consume so much social media; oh, sure. it's just too much, and I can't keep my stories straight. So, if I'm wrong about that, wrong. But I swear, the Grace this Under lady, like. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, child star suicide. John Paul Stewart was victim of sitcom. There we go. So, uh, <laughs> this is whoa. Here we go. Uh, it came up, so I'm just going to tell it. Child star suicide was victim of sitcom sexual harassment. John Paul Stewart left showbiz after Brett Brett Butler exposed herself. I was right, according to. Well, this is the National Enquirer. Damn it. Let me find yeah, somewhere else. I'm, I'm going to need a source better than that. I heard this on TikTok, and I think someone got it off of the National Enquirer, but that doesn't mean it's not true. But this is a bad place to find out it's true. Okay, let me just back it all up. Okay, I don't like Martin, and I love I, – I mean, I love the – I have feelings about the show. It's just the constant way that Martin disrespects Pam and Gina and the way they talk over – it's not a very good – like uh, it's not a Bechtel passing type of show. Uh, the women, even though there's two very strong, funny characters on them, they almost never talk about anything other than the men. I don't know. It's like I loved it as a kid, and then I re-examined it as an adult. And there's a lot of things that like grate on me. Sure. But I've, I've also learned not to watch any sitcom too hard because I was enjoying the nanny, and then after season three, it just disintegrates into fat jokes. So like, mm. it just yeah, don't watch anything too hard, you know. And it's Sounds like- also like. I started watching, I started rewatching Boy Meets World 
And I realized that like one, the show made no chronological sense. Right. The little sister disappears for an entire year and comes down a different kid. Although they do acknowledge it because she says, wow, that was a long time out. So that, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That is her first line as she returns four years older. Also, Eric and Sean, or not Eric, Sean, Eric and Corey are six years apart in age when the show starts. And they just slowly bridge the gap between their age by like every two years, Sean and Corey get older. Like they go from being in the fifth grade to the seventh grade to the ninth grade to the 11th grade. Hmm. So freshmen's yeah. in college. Yeah. So we go from we go from Corey. Anyways, sorry, I've been watching way too much TV. Anyways, no, a lot true. of shows from the 90s, they just they don't really the women don't have enough agency and enough going on. And I need to give I can't say I don't like Seinfeld because I'm a feminist because I haven't really watched it. But I just feel like just given the fact that Elaine never had a girl best friend and but all that, the girls they dated on the show never lasted more than an episode because they chewed loud or whatever was wrong that day. That's fair, <laughs> but you definitely would need to watch it. And I here's what I would hope for you, just that you could enjoy something that that's very well written. Hmm. I think that if you think in the... And you can yell at me and tell me I'm wrong. I think <laughs> if you think for the time that it was made and what was happening and her dialogue julie Lee dreyfus like mount rushmore like that character is so strong and does whatever the fuck she wants and is flawed and makes mistakes and stuff too but when i go back and watch that i'm like man this is it's pretty strong like this is really good and i mean obviously she's proven it time and time again with every freaking show she's on but I don't know. I would hope that maybe that you could get some feeling out of that, but it might be too far gone for you. Okay, I'm coming up with a plan. I'm going to skip the first five minutes of every episode so I don't have to hear the opening music because that's what puts me to sleep. Because I don't think they give Elaine enough to do in the beginning. And I've got to like, I've got to do it like first thing in the morning after a run, drink some coffee, watch like, it's, does anyone else find Seinfeld so sleepy? Like, Man. it's just... Well, Elaine runs through some dudes too. She's independent. Okay. She knows what's going on. Yeah, she's talking about abortion, uh, all kinds of stuff. And you, I mean, we're talking early '90s. Like they, she was, she was getting after it. But again, okay, tell me I'm uh, coming from the wrong place. I'll, I'll admit it. Okay, I will give it a, a fair rank. I've definitely seen every episode of, of of Martin, and it's it's a great show. It's just also like kind of colorist and sexist from time to time. But I haven't like, watched it since I was a kid. For the time, though, if you look at it from the lens of the time, I mean, that's what funny was, you know. Yeah. I just that's what there was. There would just be a female character who existed to be called a dog and ugly every five minutes. <laughs> 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 and. Tashina Arnold is so funny. She's mm -hmm. so funny and she like definitely gives it an amazing performance, but like they just, it just felt like they never gave Pam any like good comebacks for Martin. So he always mm -hmm. won, but I get it. Martin Lawrence is a comedian and he wants to be the funny one on the show. I don't know. Ooh, that's a, it's another, it's another one. So let's take it back to Whitney though. I will always love you. <laughs> is that your favorite Whitney song or why that particular one just stick out to you? Oh, just because of, of the time and like it was, I don't know what it was, if there was the films marketing or what, but it was just in your face and it was, it was her voice is what it was. 
it was just incredible. I don't think I've ever even seen the full movie all the way through. Like the movie didn't interest me to see like as a eight or nine year old. Right. I don't even know if I would have been. Yeah, I probably could have watched if I wanted to. But yeah, probably just her voice. Just hearing her voice. Um, hmm. Favorite one. I mean, that's pretty impressive. But uh, man, if you put uh, I want to dance with somebody on a like party playlist, that's a uh, you look kind of cool. So I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fun karaoke song. Uh, although no one can actually hit those notes. That is that's the that is kind of like the uh, the covenant karaoke's have with one another. Like we just promise each other we're gonna play it, and then we're all gonna sing over each other and yell, right. and we'll laugh. It'll be fun. But then there's always that bitch who can actually sing Whitney Houston, <laughs> who picks it, <laughs> which is like yeah. a betrayal to the group. Right? Like hey, hey, he just did the he just did the Humpty dance. Okay, don't. <laughs> Don't get serious, please. Oh, Chris, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh man, I try. I'm not a good singer, so I do try and keep it light. So, a guilty pleasure that I'll be like, "Ha, this song's so lame." I'll sing "Name" by Goo Goo Dolls. You know that song? It's a very cheesy. Um, Johnny Resnick is the singer's name. It's like an alternative ballad from like 1995 or six or something. They sang like uh, City of Angels. You know that song. I don't know. Iris is the name of the song. Iris. It was from yes, the movie from the City, movie of City of Angels. <laughs> <laughs> With the thing and the Nicolas Cage. And yeah. Him. Give up forever to touch you. <laughs> Everyone knows that song. Absolutely. And I probably should, but yeah, I go with name because it's just, uh, it's at least it's moving along. It's kind of fun. Um, but it also, it's a very, you're not taking yourself too serious that you're up there. Right. I'm, is this so, is it like a really well-known, I pride myself on knowing a lot, but sometimes I don't know. Is this like one that like usually the crowd knows and they sing along to? I'm sure if you're a Goo Goo Dolls fan in 1996, you sing along to it. But no, I think, I think it was it was popular, and they probably sang it on like all the late night shows. And I remember they sang it at MTV Spring Break, live next to a pool at probably Spinnakers and Panama City Beach or something like that. And so that for for its time, yes, but it probably got bigger because of Iris, and they got like huge, right? Okay, so why have I, why haven't I looked at the singer of the Goo Goo Dolls in a long Johnny time? Johnny Resnick. I mean, what's he look like now? Somebody's aunt. No, he looks fine now. But yeah. I was just looking at the hairstyle he had, and it's just really funny how like every '90s rocker mm. had a '2000s mom's haircut. Yeah, like the, <laughs> like did Meg Ryan bring a? picture of nick rest to the, and then what? and then your mom was, was like i want the meg ryan but she had the she really nick had the rest. johnny resnick i'm johnny I'm, resnick no i want to know too because this band i think they started off like as like you know like um do you know the band soul asylum they were probably trying to be like them like that runaway train never coming you know that song okay no. so those guys were from well whatever they were huge in the 90s they were from minneapolis which is like a big you know music city and these guys are, I think the Goo Dolls are from like somewhere like Buffalo, New York, or Cleveland. I want to say Buffalo. And if you're from Buffalo, 
you're going to catch shit from your friends if you wear like too tight of jeans, right? Like that's a pretty mm-hmm. blue collar, like, place, tough town, right? Like, yeah, well, they're just, they're in the cold and they go to football games and you know, that's, that's what they do. So I always wonder like what Johnny Resnick was like, you know, whenever he was doing the, the duck butt, you know, feathered mom cut and probably wore some sort of leather jacket with like bedazzled jeans. Like did his boys, when he would go, went back to Buffalo, like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you're not eating wings with us, pal. Go home, put a Bills jersey on. I can see the pipeline of this haircut becoming the like John and Kate plus eight bloom and onion in the back. Like all you have to do is just (laughs) cut an inch or two off the back and it's right there. This was such a specific and it's so funny because it's like I know this is like what a rocker guy looked like. But when I see it, I just hear a single mom who works too hard. It's it's giving Reba. It's giving Reba entire, and I can't not see it. This is wow. I forgot about this particular look, and you're so right. Buffalo, Buffalo feels like Boston to me, and it feels like a place where you're gonna get some shit for for having yeah. a haircut like this. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta you survive those cold winters. You don't get to wear bedazzled jeans in Buffalo. <laughs> Although I wonder if like the the reverse happened and instead people in Buffalo were just walking around looking like that and being like, what you looking at, you fairy? And they've got, <laughs> they've got right. they're like, right. they flip their bangs out of their face. Absolutely. Yeah. Like custom, before bills, calling you a- custom bills jerseys. Yeah. With like, uh, yeah. Bedazzled side. Yeah. That'd be good. I like that scenario. <laughs> Oh man, I mean, I'm sure like Boston dirt bags like still had like emo phases with long bangs and stuff. You know, what I mean? of <laughs> course, absolutely. Be, and their parents some... probably loved it. I love it. I love the the I love the crossover ideals here. I love that. So I'm loving the sentimentalness of your playlist. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have looked at you and picked these songs so far. They're actually two of my favorite songs. I really enjoy them, especially Whitney Houston. I will always love you. I first heard the Dolly Parton version when I was like 27. So I didn't even know it existed. Isn't that crazy um, when you hear it after you've mm-hmm. been when you were 27 years into thinking it was just like a Whitney song. Yeah. And they're both so good. Mm, They're both independently very good. I think that's why it's one of the best covers is because it just sounds like an entirely different thought. Like it doesn't feel like a, like a copy of the other at all. Very Very cool. You ready for your next song? I would love to. Um, hmm. Let's see here. So this is a third one and I'm going to go ahead and share. Hmm. So this is tough. So I got a couple choices here. I wrote down, I was like, which one am I going to go with? So sixth grade, Bone Thugs Crossroads came out. And that video, it's <laughs> like emo. I didn't mean to make that face. And you didn't know. And I, listen, listen, we're laughing at my, you know, rural ass, listen to this, or watching the video. But... We were all into that. I don't know. I don't think we were the first. There were plenty of kids like before us, but like by this time, like hip hop's out there. Like it's it's a thing everywhere. It's not just you know wherever they're from, uh, the artists are from. But yeah, I would say uh, that was a big one because here's the messed up part: a couple of classmates had parents die that year. So like this Crossroads song was like 
holy cow it was like it was it was emo to oh i don't know it was wild there was a really weird connection for that coming out it was just about death and you see all the people in the music video and everything like it was weird and we were 11 i guess whenever that came out so yeah that was one that i thought of i was like that's another one that i think of at like if we're moving forward uh in age a little bit that yeah that like sticks out anytime i hear that song Interesting. Was there some conspiracy about the parents dying in that town? <laughs> I'm dying laughing. No pun intended. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm like, I yes, was asking. yes. We thought we thought Universal or whoever put that out <laughs> wanted to tie it so we would feel the song and buy more records. Yes, they Shut put up. it. No, no, nothing like that at all. It was Damn just it. something like when you're 11. And you're really into music and all your friends are listening to music and you like all kinds of different kinds of music. I think it's more to the, to the speaks to the fact that music videos were so big at that time. And that one had a line. Do you, have you seen that video? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so many times. It was one of the few videos I just by. like, yeah. I just remember it really vivid. And I'm sure I'm so scared to like watch it now on an HD TV and just yeah. see how like shady the effects <laughs> probably are. But right, as a kid, right, right. And it is one of the first ways that you like process death. I was like, you know, I'm, uh, you're 37. So I'm five years younger than you. So like in my head, like I remember being like five or six and seeing that and being very aware of like, I remember, I remember feeling sad, you know, it's like, I'm sad. He misses his uncle Charles. I don't want my uncles to die. Like, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't lost anyone's young. I hadn't lost anyone yet. Um, God, do you think there were pet funerals? happening where children were singing see you at the crossroads to <laughs> I mean, Chris I'm just saying do you think people were flushing goldfish <sighs> so you won't be lonely <laughs> what's the most okay and I need a straight answer from you because I don't think I can answer this without sounding bad without you saying it first what type of animal or dog okay if you're going to say a dog I need the breed what breed of dog is most likely to have crossroads played at their dog dog funeral. And if you don't answer correctly, I'm going to call you a coward. Which breed of dog? Mm-hmm. Do you know, I mean, are you familiar with dogs? I'm not being a jerk. I'm not you know a pet many? person. Okay. I'm not. I would say it's, it's got to be like a family dog that lives a long time. So like nothing purse-sized. Um, okay. I'm going to feel that this feels like something you play for like a pit bull. Thank you. But like right. a real That's, good, was loyal pit bull. Yeah. Was yeah. it pit bulls? Mm-hmm. I have <laughs> a pit bull. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard they're I've actually put... really sweet and loyal. It's just, it scares you me because they have say, that like death you grip. You don't have to say actually. They're just good dogs. <laughs> you know, I don't like dogs. Right? You don't, <laughs> like, you don't like dogs. Uh-uh. It's kind of funny, but, uh, <laughs> I get so, okay, I'm just I've been anxious around dogs my whole life and they like really yeah. make me nervous and my parents got a shih tzu like 11 years ago so I'm like I'm used to him so yeah. like I like Durango but I don't really like dogs like that like I'm not <laughs> Durango a dog the shih tzu that's great Durango mm-hmm. that's cool <laughs> Durango no, are, J are Ellis yeah I heard <laughs> one of your other guests uh picked a pitbull song I was really disappointed to hear that <laughs> Pipple's great. <laughs> Did you watch the show Big Mouth? Yeah, I ha- I haven't um 
why haven't I, the newest season I've only seen like an episode and a half because I was like I gotta be in a different mood to watch <laughs> to watch this it's ridiculous it is a ridiculous show my favorite throwaway gag from season one is how um I can't think of his name right now but the guy with the crazy like he's just got like wide eyes and big hair and he's in everything and he's like anyways he his character has a dog who's a pit bull whose name is featuring ludicrous so he goes this is my pit bull featuring ludicrous <laughs> and I the doctor says that. he has a rare disease where he's aware that he's alive so he's like <laughs> oh yeah that... and so there's this gag is that the Menzuka's character is that Menzuka's is, char- that yeah. is the guy i'm thinking of like mm-hmm. and there's a part where the pit bull just catches his reflection in a mirror and he goes me me <laughs> like he knows he's alive and he's aware of himself oh that's funny oh. that is the f- I, I it oh i want to rewatch the entire show just to see that again it's that is funny. the the Jeez. best thing about that entire show oh my gosh i will always love you and then what the hell song- the crossroads there we go <laughs> Uh, Crossroads. Crossroads is, is a great song. Bone Things in Harmony were such a moment. And it's an interesting thing because I can't think of like up until like late 2000 teens when hip hop was allowed to be emotional again for a while. Because mm. it's like, you know, you, we've got like, you know, songs that like there was even a little time they were calling it sad boy rap. And there was like, you know, you know, lots of songs about wanting to do Molly and uppers and downers and things like that. And like that time period. But I mean, that was the most revival of that. And when I look up, okay, this is not right because I'm looking up this song and it's saying that it came out in 2008. And I fucking know I was not a freshman in college. What song? Singing. It's, it's, it can't be right. It's saying Crossroads. You know what you're. Yeah, that's what it's 96. saying. 2008. It there you go. Okay. So I'm like seven years old, but I'm very aware. Okay, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> so, you made the connection. So you're a little you, you older. Had... Yeah, you had seen Lion King at that point. Like, you understood death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was sad. Man, you're taking me back to being in the theaters. And, be, and like, when Simba realized, what made me cry was when Simba realized he was alone. Mm. And that, like, oh. oh and then you realize your parents will die eventually. Like, I don't know. Most children just think that, like, I don't know when you have that That's moment. I guess it's, it's honestly the it's the first time, I guess, when you when you have a classmate or someone around you who loses a parent, and mm-hmm. you're like aware that they're like yeah. just not going to magically be around your entire life. Yeah, that's yeah. <sighs> back to the Crossroads song. That's I think about it every single time. <laughs> Damn, crazy. Damn. So quite the moment. We, we we downtown. Your mom's singing to you. You're enjoying rural life. I will always love you. You're kicking shit in a barn. <laughs> And crossroads, <laughs> crossroads happen, and you just begin to awaken as a young man mm. and realize that death is inevitable. <laughs> right. Yep. And then, uh, if we're moving on to the next one, uh, I don't know if this had something to do with it, but the next year, I felt this was like my first like. All right, so Green Day came out in like 1995 with, uh, oh my gosh, uh, the album with When I Come Around on it. But um, Dookie? 
Dookie, sorry. Yeah, best album cover ever. Like, that was so funny to me. Like, if you look at the little cartoon. Um, the next year, 1997, I think, uh, I stumble on to... Was it 97 or 98? I stumbled on to uh, Blink-182. And I, it was like, that was the first band that I thought, like, I was tapped into something underground. Does that make sense? Like, I was like, yeah. This I can imagine getting in on the ground floor and feeling that way. Although oh I remember. Gosh. And they had a blue cassette tape. It was a Cheshire Cat. It was like, it was weird. But yeah, it was a weird, like, discovery somehow. I That is one thing I kind of miss about the area, the age of physical media, is the mm. way that like the album and the cassette would also represent the person's personality or the vibe of the song. You know, if you got a Spice Girls one, it would have the British flag and, and pink and glitter and it would right. feel, you know what I mean? Like, you'd know, you'd know which tape you were reaching for because it was, you know, yeah. that is one thing I miss like, about physical you, media. You absolutely need to account for this too. Like the internet was technically alive. The internet was not a thing though like you didn't there was no spotify like there's no napster like this is right before everything like that exploded where you would just go everything was at the tip of your fingers so yeah you had to go buy a cd at the <laughs> at the store or whatever and like you were kind of i guess held hostage to whatever that particular record store had like if you had a hometown record store that'd be cool we did actually in my small town because otherwise you're going to go to walmart get some weird edited version or you're going to go to <laughs> best buy and you know maybe they had stuff at that time but yeah it was a way different time finding music like radio stations were way more important than too i mean as far as like mm -hmm. discovering new stuff did you ever record a song off the radio so you could have it like like get, get a tape yes. player out absolutely it was a recorder and uh, we would call this, there's a station, it's like the, you know, the rock station here, the point. We would call, and this is part of it. So did you do prank calls as a kid? Is that just boys? <laughs> uh, no, I've always wanted to. Like I'd oh, bring man. it up at sleepovers and I'd get vetoed instantly. We would do prank <laughs> calls all the time. And then in between prank calls, we would call the point, my friend and I, because you could, you just call up, right? If it wasn't long distance. You know, you wouldn't get in trouble <laughs> from your parents. So we would call, and we thought we were so damn funny. I remember we would request Rancid, and it was a song called Ruby Soho. And they, like, Rancid sings like punks from Oakland, right? So it's like we would call and sing our request. Like, hey, and we were 10, you know, we had that we had to sound like 10-year-old little, you know, whatever. So we'd be like, hey, would you play uh, Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho? And we got so pumped to make that call. We were like, yeah, we called the point. They're going to play it. And we'd sit there with our stupid recorders. Like, you think it'll be next? Think it'll be next? Nirvana again. Come on, Rancid. Like, and then it, whenever it would come, you, poof, you hit that. Because you didn't want to, you didn't want to hit it too early because you might run out of tape if it's going to be a long time. So yep. you got to think about it. Boy, the do worst I was when like old. It's let me let's just be old together because mm -hmm. I remember this. I mean, my sister's the same age as you. So like I, I had like I borrowed her tape player and mm -hmm. I remember the song that I was like that excited about was Maya's Case of the X. And I'll never forget Maya. this. Um, wow. Such a, a staple of the early 2000s. She was my favorite singer. I remember <laughs> like being an adult now and experiencing the like overtly sexual themes of a lot of her music is so funny because they went right over my head. Mm, like, yeah. I, <laughs> like but anyway, she was amazing. She was just like my favorite singer, right? 
and I wanted to hear this song so bad and I had my tape player set up and then the DJs kept using the music from that song as their intro and outro music before they play another song so they'd be like K104 coming up next we're playing you know whoever it was you know Cisco's the thong song for the 13th time but it'd be like I could hear the so I go and I wasted like a whole tape just getting DJs DJs doing in and outs Perfect. Perfect. I guess perfect, I, perfect. It made me so angry that I remember that as an adult and when I became a radio DJ, I would purposely try to use like they would tell you to use buffers from popular songs right. so that people would stop and listen. And I was like, I don't want to do that because people <laughs> will think you're going to play this song and then you don't. You just talk over the song and play some other shit. And they're like, that's what you're supposed <laughs> to do. It makes people stop and go, oh, I want to hear this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Was that an eye-opening thing, seeing in the uh, end of the cold heart of radio, the real life yes. behind the scenes? Yeah. Everything is for a reason, and the reason is to make money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that is I, the hardest lesson to learn as an adult, is most people don't do things for love. <laughs> not the love of the game, not the love of the song. Right. It's for the money. Yeah. So, okay, Blink-182, which song is it? It's a is... song called Damn It. Right. So it came out and just the opening guitar on that song. If I hear it today, I feel like I got my first pube. Like it is a big, it's a big deal and a memory, a memory fire. I mean, the time of my life, it was all that stuff. But then also it amped up because I truly loved it. I would just listen to it. This whole, this album Dude Ranch came out and I loved it. I didn't, I didn't like their older album as much as I ended up liking Dude Ranch. I swear it was the perfect type of music for the age i was and it's like just fast paced you know silly simple songs um and this is before they got huge right so they're singing about all these things and they're like talking about whacking off and then like getting burritos because i guess they're from san diego or around southern california talking about like skating and getting burritos and like just being little shitheads i guess when they were probably in their mid-20s when they made this album but either way it resonated and it was the right mix of like, wow, that's really deep and like silly almost like, you know, again, perfect for the age I was. And then like, I, th- I want to say it was in a soundtrack of maybe can't hardly wait the movie. Uh, I knew it. I started yeah. looking at the, th- the lyrics. I thought this song was called, I guess this is growing up because yeah. I know that like repetitive part of it. And I everybody can't knows hardly the, wait. It's one of my favorite hear, movies. You fucked her. Yeah. That everybody knows that one, but yeah. So I think that it had came out, but then that movie included in it, like gave it like that. Oh, Hey, check this out. This has been out for a little bit and people liked it. Uh, so you do know the song though. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I didn't think I knew it because I didn't know the title. Uh, that's so funny because I remember thinking of Blink-182 as like this like band that was always big because mm. they would be on TRL. And yeah. to me, that's like already like you're huge. You're on TRL. Right. But I can see like, you know, finding out about it at the time. Did you ever see the movie Can't Hardly Wait? I saw it in theaters. Who are you, who are you talking about? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I lo- that's one of my favorite songs, too. The song, the song that that movie is named after is a replacement song called can't hardly wait and yeah i'm that movie was amazing yes it is uh absolutely problematic if you rewatch it as <laughs> with like today's yeah. i don't lenses. even have to rewatch it and i'm like yeah that's not gonna <laughs> that's not gonna i used up. to have the biggest crush on the just on the horrible seth green character the 
Special K. Special K. <laughs> and the like horrible accent he would do. No, baby, please. You too fine to be crying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Oh my gosh. And then his uh his stupid friends he had they I think they they say the N-word in there and then they get beat up or something, right? Like that was a They good do, which is like the joke of like, yes, black yeah, rage dummy. is available like a yoga. Oh, that's trigger. how you saw it. I, I saw it. It's like, yeah, kick the shit out of these idiots. Like it's like, yeah, they don't need to be acting like that. They're annoying. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a perspective I didn't think of. Um, I'm just saying triggering black people for laughs is still shitty. Like it's still, yeah, you know what fair. I mean? Like, yeah. like it's still, I loved it. Although now I rewatched it like beginning of quarantine because my husband hadn't seen it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, we concluded that Preston was a fucking creep. And yeah, that's another d- thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the whole premise of the movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, is about a young man who's had a crush on this girl named Amanda who sat behind him for like four years in school and he never had the courage to speak Jennifer to her. Love Creepy, Hewitt, by the way. Jennifer yes. played by the absolutely stunning Jennifer Love Hewitt. And on the last day of school, he finds out that she goes through a breakup and thinks, time to pounce. Not, I don't know, she's going through a breakup. Let me be a person. But. Anyways, throughout the course of a bunch of things happening over a night, they end up getting together and it's cute. And there's also like six or seven side stories going on. It is like, it is just, it is what everything, uh, everything a 90s teen movie is. And they make mm-hmm. fun of it really well in the movie, not another teen movie. Uh, there's yeah, lots of, true. lots of fun little like nods to it. Lacey Chabert, Chabert, I don't know, is your Italian is your Italian tutor back there gonna oh. Schubert? <laughs> Schubert, she's in it, and she uh, she's in the um, the parody of Jennifer Love Hewitt, and oh, that's nice. just a gas. I think people need to. Re- I haven't revisited not another team movie in a long time, but yeah, damn it is just quintessential uh, elder millennial Gen X cusper, just magic right there. Did you not like that I called you an elder? You look like you're gonna have a heart attack just now. No, no, no. I don't know that when I still when people are like you're a millennial, dude. I'm like, what? Really? Okay, sure. Because yeah, I remember like Gen X people being teenagers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I get it. But no, it is that that opening guitar part. You're just like, wow, this is a. Uh, this is it. This is where it's happening. And then here's here's a fun fact for you that the guy who was the drummer on that album, I think about him way too much, way too much. It's a guy named Scott Rayner. He was a drummer for them. I think he was their original drummer. So he did like three or four albums with them. The that album that I'm talking about with Damn It on it, Dude Ranch, some radio play probably made them a little bit of money, but like they got they're on a major label, right? In between that and their next album they kick him out steps why who step uh like if you read a couple different things they're like oh alcohol he didn't get along with tom and mark or whatever but 19 that's like 98 whatever so by the time for their next album in 2000 or so when you become aware of them from trl in steps travis barker that's all i remember that's 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 all you they look like visually in my head perfect for mtv too the guy's like got these crazy he's got a mohawk he's got tattoos on it. like only sailors had that many tattoos back then right like yeah <laughs> i'm like so i would argue too like the boy band video probably is what like made them the parody video made them there's a there's musicians being funny that wasn't that funny all they did was just parody 
boy bands, and it was hilarious to us at the time, right? Because it was rockers looking like boy bands, which you don't expect, like a dog walking on its hind legs. <laughs> Probably shared the same same record label probably walked right out of the studio right after those guys did um, we're the same sweaty white jumpsuit and we're same like fans <laughs> same fans they stole the 13 year old girls away from the boy bands for sure um so yeah that was that's something i think about all the time i'm like travis barker you know you could argue that he's the one of the big reasons why they got so big because he's is who he is and he's like a character right but I think about that Scott guy a lot. <laughs> I'm like, those three, Mark, Tom, and Travis, are huge. They're very successful. They've done a million things. And that poor Scott, I wonder what he's up to these days. That is going to be a good topic for uh, for one of my uh, – I love doing – when we don't do murder, I love doing uh, the behind-the-record ones with, like – I got to look more into it because I'd love to know about the fight because, man, the, the people who were part of bands right before they, like, got huge and then got dropped. Like, have you ever seen that video of Beyonce kicking Farah out of uh, Destiny's Child? No. I, I know have to that, send this I know to there you. was another member and she, yeah. Oh. My. Originally, there were four. Uh, their names were Latoya and Latavia and they were cousins and they quit at the same time. Mm. Beyonce and Kelly are both cool with Latoya and Latavia. It was kind of like a more of a family money thing. Mm -hmm. They immediately were replaced with Michelle and Farah. Farah mm -hmm. is the funniest story of this That's, because Farah yeah. only lasts for a month. And they were all they, in Houston, right? All in Houston. Yeah. But Farah and Michelle were from LA and like were basically like backup singers that were hired Got to it. come in and create a four-part harmony. They just had jumped right into the group. Kelly and Michelle don't really like know them that well. And uh the long and short of it that just always makes me laugh is Farrah just didn't come to any appearances. And this is when Say My Name is winning Grammys. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a big deal. And they're in the Say My Name video. And Farrah, Beyonce goes, you can just go ahead and leave. And Farrah's like, what do, you, what do you mean? I don't have my luggage. She goes, yeah, well, you can leave and someone can send you your luggage. She goes, but I'm not going to have my luggage. She goes, it's better for you to not have luggage than for you to be here. Oh and it's like, it's like the last time Beyonce was overly assertive on camera. Wow. I'll just Can say it's imagine? better for you to not have luggage all the time when I'm mad at people. <laughs> <laughs> just go. You don't need luggage. Yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh. That's damn oof. it. Yeah. Damn it. Great song. Awesome song. Blink-182. I had no idea there was another member. Mm. Like, you said you feel, it feels like you grow a pube when you hear that song. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so is that your favorite Blink-182 song then, for sure? Or just the Far one that, like, Quintus... Yeah. yeah. I mean, that just, yeah. That just hit right, right? Like, it's the right time, the right style, all that stuff. Yeah, it's associated with, you know, good times and stuff, too. But, yeah, if I heard it now, some of that kind of music, like... You'll hear it and you're like, okay, yeah, I remember this one. Um, but then, like that one, I would be like, yeah, I love this song. Still, my favorite Blink 182 is I think, and this is gonna speak the real difference between like, like I'm the gen they would call true millennials and your elder millennial. So like, mm. you didn't always have the internet, you didn't always have a phone. I didn't, but I had it for so long that it affected me more. Anybody hey, my age, call their favorite elder Blink millennials. Yes, you're the elder. Like, okay. Also, actually, that recently changed. You want to know what they call you now? Call me a young Gen X then. <laughs> geriatric millennial. Fuck you. <laughs> because if you have a pregnancy, it's a geriatric pregnancy. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> it was, yeah, right. 
Damn it. (laughs) Just just out there with powdered sperm making it work. That's you. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) So as a true millennial, we love, and maybe I'm speaking for a lot of people, but this is I Miss You by Blink-182. That is the song, which comes like almost 10 years after Damn It. It is... It is just the song that when I hear it, it just makes me think of that band. And it's so hair flippy, dramatic. They, just, they nailed it. Go- Wait, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> when Tom says the voice inside my head. Yep, like it just. It <laughs> with a, Where are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my Please yed. don't turn off this podcast, y'all. He, You're like probably so annoyed with my impressions today. He uh, he will tweet that. Like he he's leaned into that. Like he'll laugh about how he says yed. <laughs> what accent is that? I know that's not how they talk in Oakland. He's from Southern <laughs> California. Whatever it is, I think it's genius writing or something. I don't know. Like whatever choice he made, it it, it always seemed to work. How about this? And I know we're getting short on time, but um, how about this? Tom DeLong from Blink-182, the guy who sang your, your favorite one, he went on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's probably several other... He is part of and invested in a thing called To the Stars Academy. Do you know what this is? No. Tell Tom me more. DeLong, Tom DeLonge was talking about these alien videos uh, six years ago, ten years ago, uh, that are all now proven as true and real that the government put out. Tom DeLonge's been talking about these alien videos for a long time and has invested real money in his part. He sounded like an insane person telling about all this stuff and then to boot, you know, they had a song called Aliens Exist. So you're like, okay, you're just like a guy who likes aliens. <laughs> aliens Exist There's is a the song. title. I love it. Yeah. This is a chorus. Just go, aliens are real. They're real. <laughs> That's the whole song. They're real. <laughs> <laughs> They're inside my head. Um, yeah. I should do a TikTok where I just go places and speak in a Blink-182 accent. You so should. I'm just like, can I get a yad of lettuce? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I like that. Oh my gosh. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Girl, can I get some yed? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> oh no. Not groupies for Blink 182 giving yed on the tour bus. Can't do it. Can't. Yeah, he said too much. He, he asked if I'd give him yed. I don't I don't know. I, didn't, I don't get it. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I know we're we're getting close to time to wrap up, but um, thank you for that. I did not know Tom DeLong believes in aliens, and I am going to go it. so Proved deep all, down that rabbit hole. All these videos, the the Tic Tac video, all this stuff. He's talking about them on uh, Rogan's podcast like a long time ago, and I know you're a big time listener of Joe Rogan, so I'm surprised <laughs> that you don't remember that interview. It's a little disturbing you didn't pick up. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've How do you never feel listened. <laughs> you I've never to... listened to Joe Rogan. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Just be minding I mean, my business. That, that's your, yeah, that's your brand. <laughs> Not listening <Okay>. to Rogan. <laughs> time to, time to, time to work on my brand. Okay. So this has been such a fun playlist. I'm sad that we've come to the end though, but give me your number one song, or I guess we're not doing number one, but chronologically you've gone from childhood to young child to 
we've gone from like four years old to middle school to high school. Where are we at now? Chronologically, where are we at now with our next song? So I'm gonna do like a quick super cut and tell you all the songs. Like I was like, ah, I want to talk about this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. So real quick, the replacements that uh, the band, they have the song Can't Hardly Wait. I love that song. And that was like the first band that I got into that I was like, no one could make fun of me for like, they, they are undeniably just good is how I felt about them. Uh, Jason Isbell, Elephant, just great songwriting, very good song. Sergio Simpson, Welcome to Earth, uh, really good song. Casey and the Sunshine Band, Give It Up. We played that at the end of uh, our talk radio show in the mornings, and it was just, I don't know, it's good memories with that all around. But I'm going to go with uh, a song called Killing Ground by Future Birds, and I, I wouldn't expect you to know this. this is their indie rock. I don't. Strong Strongest flock in indie rock is their uh, their slogan for their fans. But they're a lot of fun. They're really great guys. And I got to know their singer at the beginning of COVID. So you mentioned that I do that show, Drinks with the Band. So mm -hmm. that kind of came. So like I've always interviewed people and, and stuff like that. So I'm going to try and make this concise. I interviewed a woman who was in a band called Houndmouth. They have a song called Sedona. They did Conan. They were on Letterman, all that good stuff. Her name's Katie Tupin. We've become friends. She's now a solo artist. So we start collaborating, like talking about doing different stuff, like when the pandemic happens, right? I launched a couple of shows. We did like a virtual happy hour where I'd have a comic on uh, and we'd have a musician on. We did a, that trivia show that you came on that was so random. Um, we did these things and then Jack Daniels came to us and like, well, we need to do some virtual stuff. We're like, well, I have this idea for drinks of the band where we make a cocktail and then this, whatever. So Katie, um, you know, being a cool kid in the music scene, introduced us to all these great, awesome people. Do you know Abraham Alexander? He's from Dallas. <clears throat> no, never met him. Look him up. He's incredible. He's from Fort Worth, Dallas. Um, but I met him through that. So back to this. Future Birds, Killing Ground. They, this band... They got talked about in Rolling Stone. They're really cool guys. They're just super nice dudes from Georgia. Like if you like like Band of Horses or My Morning Jacket, you'd probably be into them. But I got to know them. Like we had so much fun, and they put out this album right before COVID hit. So they're oh. like on the cusp of like their biggest tour they've ever had. You know, getting kind of the respect and the comeuppance that they deserve, and. Man, it hit him hard, but he was so, their singer, Womack, was so open to doing stuff. We had him come on. We did a panel show. I'm talking about a lot of crazy stuff. We did this panel show. We had uh, our friend Mia Jackson and Alonzo Bowden and a, a Mer this Meredith Hopping is a comic here. We did a roast of Tiger King. So Womack came on and sang the Tiger song, the, uh, the Joe Exotic Tiger King song. And he's just a fun dude, so I have a connection to him. <laughs> Uh, I've I'll never heard the Joe Exotic Tiger King song. Did, you did not know Joe, that was a did thing. Did you watch Tiger King? Yes, I didn't know there was a song though. There's a whole music video. You didn't see it? He shot it. He he tried to pass himself off as a country singer. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, it was yeah. a song by Joe Exotic. I yeah. thought like a song about him. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Yeah, no. He had like several. Of, mm -hmm. I like my favorite. I she saw killed him. Oh wow. I saw a tiger. Oh, and yeah. Tiger saw me. <laughs> so. <laughs> So either way, Womack came on and did that. He's what a happy so, time. <laughs> this is, but this is why I'm so in love with this song. 
I got to know this guy a little bit and see how nice and fun they are and where the songwriting comes from. But yeah, that song came out and it would be like, well, I'd work at our studio. I was lucky enough to keep working, right, during the pandemic and everything shut down. And I would just go home and turn that album on. Uh, and yeah, I just, I've not stopped listening to that damn song. It's called Killing Ground. And uh, I have a real connection to them and just the moment and who's not going to remember how weird and strange this time has been. So yeah, that song's meant a lot to me. It still does. And there's a lot you can kind of tie into it. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Your personal connection to it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it sucks that this band like was like just kind of on like the precipice of so much happening and then COVID hits, but it's been so amazing to see how many artists are able to pivot and like just Mm -hmm. keep going. I mean, comedians too you know just figuring out how to keep doing stuff so i have got some homework now which is exciting because i haven't heard killing ground um i knew the rest of your songs though but that is so this is something that's like a new development for you like something that like you really like but you just kind of found in like the last two years but you really well, like i had heard about them and everything but it was just yeah it was uh it was a brand new album i had i had not gotten into them they have a song called rodeo that's uh there's like the really cool live versions on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I was into them, but not, uh, not quite as much after, like not as much as I was after I got to know their singer quite a bit more. Cause you're like, wait a second. Dang. Okay. So you, I don't know. Felt like I understood it more. Hmm, that's awesome. So that makes up our five songs. After that, I have one more fun thing that I like to do. Mm. This used to be our listener letter section, but, um, you guys just will not give me any letters and I take it wildly personal. If you're listening and you're like, you know what? All Jasmine asked for is so little in life. Let me ask her a question. Feel free to send us an email over at rhythmandbaypodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your questions, what you love advice on. That's what I love to do is give advice, but y'all, y'all bitches don't trust me and I don't take it personally. Yeah. Now, <laughs> today's question uh, came from my friend Ari and I thought this is a really great one. The question is, what is your favorite bad day song? Now, that's kind of vague. A bad day song. Is that a song that makes your day better? Or a song that is like a soundtrack for a bad day? If you're having a bad day, what do you want to listen to, Chris? Hmm. Wouldn't it be so lame if I was uh, that song where it goes, Says you had a bad day. No, what? actually, that's not allowed. I I, I, I just, I, I thought you were better than that. I'm but that was the am. fine print like, of this question was, oh. you cannot pick Daniel Powder's bad day. Daniel Powder, you knew the name of him. So that's, that was a yes, test. You because they, they played it every time someone got eliminated on American Idol. Get the hell out of here. Did they really? Take it one down. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. Oh. So if you're having a bad day, like, what do you turn to? Hmm. Would you like to know my answer? Yeah, that's that's cool. For me, for that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll allow so it on your there. show. Yeah. I was trying to buy you time while no, you thought. I have, I have an idea, and you're from Austin, and they are too. So here's here's my thought. So there's a few things you could do. You could just go and just dive into the depression and, you know, play something really just ugh, like deep down that you're just going to cry it out or something. Right. Or you can go high energy and be like, let's beat this. Let's do CrossFit. Um, but <laughs> let's, uh, let's go in between with just good music that it's uplifting. If you've got 30 minutes to the end of their song, Austin, Texas own 
explosions in the sky. How about that? Explosions in the sky? You don't know them? Uh-uh. You ever see the movie Friday Night Lights? No. Didn't think so. <laughs> when that you sounds hear like them, something that was made, that's rural propaganda to make you think that's <laughs> New York City, not real. Texas football, Hell the only thing that's yeah. real. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton is my coach. Um, <laughs> so their their music's probably in like 20 commercials, I would bet. But they did, I feel like they did the whole soundtrack to that movie with Tom Cruise where um, he, it's like he's fighting some, uh, it's a sci-fi thing from like eight years ago. But they... They're from Austin, Texas. It's, in, it's instrumental. So, yeah, check it out. Hmm. Okay. There that sounds go. like a good... It's an instrumental... So, it's instrumental is no words. It's called Explosions in the Sky. Mm-hmm. But it's like... it's. I mean, if you like guitars and stuff, like you'll be, you may not be into it at all. But check it out. I think people who listen to instrumentals uh, think that they're the main character. They're yeah. like... <laughs> That's the true. scene doesn't need words. Thanks this for is tuning my life. in to Rhythm and Bay with Chris Denman. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> for me, it would be Cranes in the Sky by Solange. It okay. is about depression. And I'm I'm a firm believer that if you're feeling sorry, I couldn't resist this piece of popcorn. If you're feeling <laughs> if you're feeling down, sometimes it feels really good to just indulge that yeah. bad. So true. sometimes it's good to just like, all right, for the duration of the four minutes of this song, I am just going to sigh really heavily and look out the window sometimes you just I've need to let version. yourself yeah <laughs> and do you do you actually cry you let it out yeah i'm a firm believer in crying i i've crying is good for the skin it's good for the soul mm-hmm. just good a good cry a good private cry crying in public yeah. is unacceptable um <laughs> <laughs> pussy picture <laughs> Fix your goddamn mascara and go cry in the house. That, that's a throwback <laughs> to us making fun of stuff earlier. Since you you made your stance on your staunch, I don't call people that that name. Just so we let's clear that up. <laughs> I we've created so many visuals here yeah. of just. Like <laughs> and I'm gonna check out Solange, um, Solange's song. Solange's. Yeah, you, song. you haven't heard of her. It's called Cranes in the Sky, and um, it's it's a. It's very, Solange is a very different musical style than Beyonce. It's much more mm-hmm. subdued and it's a, it's a good, it's good when you're in mood. It's a yeah. vibe. I was, uh, so, I was exposed to, uh, to some, I, I know somebody from Houston that, uh, listens to, if they're from Houston, she's listening to him. So I've, I've listened to a little Solange. Yeah. Well, you gotta give me credit there. She's from Houston and I'm actually, I'm not from Austin. I just came from Austin. Right. I only lived yeah, in Austin yeah, yeah. like three years. I just figured, I thought if you moved to Austin that you got like their first album handed to you. I just, that's a big deal. <laughs> I should check that out. I should check that out. It's really, it's a Willie Nelson album and then a picture in front of the, uh, the I love you so much sign that is in the welcome basket along with a voucher to wait six hours for barbecue at Franklin. <laughs> My only experience in Austin was at South by Southwest, and that sounds about right. That sounds accurate to that. That's the experience. Well, Chris, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest on Rhythm and Bay. I appreciate Where can people hear you, find oh. you, see you? Where, where do you want to be found? Just head over to Instagram at InstaDenman. Uh, I do a bunch of stuff. We got a, a company here in St. Louis called Midcoast Media. Work with a lot of cool people. 
Um, <clears throat> so that's a, that's a plus. But yeah, I'm I'm part of uh, I'm like the third voice on a show called Two Funny Mamas. That's every Thursday with Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We've uh, we've been doing all kinds of fun stuff with a woman named B Flat out of Philadelphia. That's hilarious. So we've been working on that. Um, Drinks of the band is back with a huge announcement in November. Um, and then, yeah, that show, I think we we're, I can't remember if it was on this or what, but, um, for the last like six years, like a big part of what I do is interviewing comics and interesting people more or less. So the Denman review, I don't know when this will be out, but, uh, should be out by them, but check that out. It's going to have one-on-ones with, uh, big names in comedy, fun people, just interesting people and just kind of learning about their life. Yeah. And, you know, that's actually how we met. I did your, not that show, but it was a game show you were doing. And mm-hmm. you are my favorite person that I have met not in real life because we oh, thank you. That's great. <laughs> we have never it. met in real life. Yeah. We've done many a virtual event together and talked on the phone. And I have, I don't know if you have feet, but I still trust that I like you. And that's, that's uh, we're like, not on video. Oh. I was like, I'll pop them up there. OK, it's, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that's for Patreon. You got to put your feet on that's Patreon right. or OnlyFans only. But loved having is you there, on the show. Is there Patreon for dudes? Yeah. For dudes' feet? Maybe. Let's look into it next time. Maybe, I'm maybe, maybe. Monk in the back has given me a, a hearty. I don't know how he knows that, but that's a yes. So he's familiar with man feet Patreon. Oh. All right, everybody. Welcome. Uh, not welcome. Lord have mercy. Uh, thanks again for turning in to tuning in to Rhythm and Bay podcast. I enjoyed doing this show like I always do. If you're having fun, please, please, please make sure you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and tell a friend to tell a friend. You can find us on Instagram at Rhythm and Bay podcast on Facebook at Rhythm Bay Podcast and on Twitter at Bay Rhythm. And remember, I messed that up and can't fix it. As always, I'm your host, Jasmine Ellis. Keep it smooth. Mm-hmm.